Hello there, it's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The un- the only? The only? Maybe we'll do an Undertaker-themed episode, and this will be the only uh, movie podcast that offers a <laughs> objective and hyperbole-free discussion. My Undertaker! Uh, <laughs> of every movie in the known universe. I apologise for this introduction. It's already gone off the rails. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, not Paul Bearer, but Conrad. And with me, as always, he emits a low-amp wang pulse. It's Anthony James. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, and good night. How you doing, Anthony? It's been a while since I said that one. Uh, very, very well. I enjoyed that little sort of Undertaker yeah. uh, sidetrack I, I brought there. out the Paul oh, Bearer uh, impersonation. I've got that one tucked away. That one's in the back pocket, always ready to come out. Just to let you know, guys, do listen to the end, because I will be signing off this week with Rest in Peace. <laughs> That'll be happening. It will happen. Oh. See you in about 45 minutes yep. to see it. I can't wait for that. I'll have forgotten by then, because I'll be too busy keeping the keeping this train on the road. On the road? On the rails. I'll forget too. I'll forget too. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I mean, for those of you who have heard my introduction to Anthony there and like a low amp wang pulse, what kind of ridiculous non-actor would say that? The answer, of course, is Charles Dance, uh, and we're going to be space trucking with him um, and two of our favourite allies in a, a lesser note. That was a Red Hot Chili Pepper. <laughs> reference for you there uh, in a lesser known Stuart Gordon romp and that is saying something if you know who Stuart Gordon is um, we've got to, some chat about Denis Villeneuve annoying the internet by having some things to say about Marvel movies and we've got a gritty oh, as hell fucks. back to the feature so I say let's talk about some gosh darn movies let's, let's do it Movies. June is one of them. Denis Villeneuve directed it. He, honestly, it's getting hard to keep up. Now, I'm going to admit something to you here, listeners and viewers. I have just said to Anthony in confidence that I actually agree with Denis Villeneuve on this one. So, you know, I'm, I'm putting my hands to the fire or my feet to the fire, whatever the saying is. Um, but Anthony, you don't know anything about this. Perhaps our listeners don't either. So I'll take you through what has transpired with our man, Denis. Um, so the Dune director has drawn the ire of the internet, which, let's be honest, isn't that hard in this day and age, when he said the following in an interview with, uh, I think, Spanish newspaper El Mundo, which I think means the world, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so he, he had this to say. Uh, Perhaps the problem is that we are in front of too many Marvel movies uh, that are nothing more than cut and paste of others. Perhaps these types of movies have turned us into zombies a bit, but big and expensive movies of great value, there are many today. I don't feel capable of being pessimistic at all. Now, the first thing I'll say is he was speaking, uh, I believe he was speaking... Uh, no, actually, he's French-Canadian, so I don't think he would have been speaking in Spanish. But it was uh, it was an interview conducted for a Spanish newspaper, so I doubt they were speaking English. Perhaps they were speaking French. Mm. Um, but, I mean, okay, I, I'm... What's what's the point he's making, Conrad, it, here? Like, okay, because so his, his film didn't make as much no, money? No, so, I mean, June hasn't come out yet. And, and, in fact, June is actually, by all accounts, making a huge amount of money in the, in the international regions where it is out. Um, I think his point that has been slightly misconstrued in all of this is that um, he, he was asked a question, as, as a lot of auto directors are these days, um, a journalist wants to get them to sort of say something that maybe puts puts them in hot water with, with the Marvel crowd um, because that that, yeah. that gets clicks. Um, and it happened to a certain extent with Martin Scorsese and Patty Jenkins quite recently. And I think this is an example of that. I think his point, when you read the actual full interview, is that... Um, 
I would, and I think this is actually reasonable. He, I, I think he, he he says that the majority of Marvel movies are kind of built to the same framework. They're kind of not to say they're not good movies, but they're kind of copy and pasted. And I think I think that's fair. I think you, a lot of the people who direct Marvel movies aren't going to be a a James Gunn or a Taika Waititi or or hopefully like a Chloe Zhao, like someone who brings enough of a clear artistic direction to the project that they're able to kind of push it in their own in their own direction and do things they want to um which doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad Mm. movies i I do think there is a framework to them and that is what he's kind of pointing at and saying maybe that's why people are getting a bit sick of mainstream of big budget mainstream movies but i think the thing that's been lost in all of this is that Denis Villeneuve does in the second part of this very clearly say no he's really po- uh, positive about big budget movies there's still lots of great ones coming out um so i i think this is a case of him being of people being a little trigger happy let's say what do you, what do you think what's your initial read on this well obviously we have to take this into account as well like i, I for patty jenkins i sort of gave her the benefit of the doubt because she I, like I said, it's all been like it's, she was being hyperbolic. Uh, so with any view nerve, I have to assume that they they are like playing this up for for clicks and playing this up for for drama. Mm. Um, now I'm not gonna lie, like to a certain extent, yes, of course, Marvel films follow a pattern uh, and they follow a structure. Unfortunately, um, most films do uh, is the thing. And I if if, if we're start gonna gonna start getting hung up on the idea that films especially genre films uh all sort of seem the same Mm. now maybe it is a bit more cookie cuttery maybe if we are going to get hung up on that then i've got a lot to say about a lot of films because i just i I noticed the same pattern in every single film i watch to be honest with you yeah and i understand they're all come from the same place and they're all about a superhero and the superhero genre maybe is a bit deluded at the minute i can I, I can see the point like i'm not completely disagreeing with him um and i know that he he wouldn't have never he wouldn't have talked about this unless he was asked about yeah. it like i, I know yeah. that so um i i, I think yeah, you i, I think one. you are right though i think the the criticism of, of marvel movies and i said this as someone who you know it's been pretty outspoken that i need marvel movies to be really good to get me into them otherwise i, I get a bit bored but i think they are they are victims of their own success to a certain extent because if you look at i mean you know i've, I've literally just released the, the the first um first instance of our bad guy breakdown series and that's looking at a james mm-hmm. bond Check movie james bond movies ain't changed that much in the last 50 years like i think it's fair to I'll say the same. um you know it just it, there's not three of them a yeah year, that's the, that, that is the problem is that they're not they're not dominating the mainstream me uh, movie cycle in the same way that marvel movies are which isn't i guess you can lay the blame at disney for that and say hey maybe make less better movies or less but slightly more distinct movies but um ultimately i think criticizing each individual movie for the the kind of ubiquity of the of the 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 media landscape or marvel across the media landscape as a whole is a little unfair um and you know i'm looking forward to the eternals and um uh what's what's taika watiti working on the moment is he still doing akira i think we talked about that the other day yeah, he's also doing the Reservoir Dogs TV show, um, and he's doing Thor: Love and Thunder. The oh, he's one. doing the new Thor. But I will yeah. say, yeah, yeah, he's doing the new Thor. But I will say, Conrad, to be honest with you, like I get the point, and like when he's asked about it, he'll give his opinion, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Having said that, when you just take a step back, I'm not going to defend Disney. Obviously, <laughs> no, I'm not. They don't need defending. You think three three a year is probably too many? Maybe two a year would be better. 
or even just one a year. one a year. But the thing Make is... Make it a tent pole. Yeah. A tent pole. I, 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 I suppose if you did one a year, it would have taken us... Like, we would have died of old age before we got, like, the second Avengers movie. Um, yeah, well, you know, that, that's the thing. The, the, the style of of the storytelling they're doing, like, they, they, are, they are sort of bringing the style of the comic books into the films where there's so many of them and they're all interlinked. And I do appreciate that. And... And I and the so the, the, what they're doing with it, I completely understand, and I could actually see it. Obviously, Disney's going to drive for more and more and more and more. Of course, they are. But I can also see why a comic book nerd who would plan their films out would do do it this way too. So I think it's interesting, and the reason why they've maybe been so successful is because it is what Disney wants for the yeah. money, but it's also what diehard comic book fans want for the for the basically basically like the huge interlocking stories that they can get that way now with the new tv series maybe they'll they'll sort of go back to about two a year i don't know what they'll do it will be interesting with with disney's kind of shift Mm -hmm. to this more streaming based model in the last year whether that is just a pandemic thing or whether it it, it marks a, a kind of demarcation point for um for their business model going forward yeah yeah exactly well yeah, I think there you go. We've all agreed. Marvel movies are cut and paste. We're all we're all signed off on that. Co-signed. Um, if if Marvel movies are cut and paste, I know one director whose movies most definitely are not, and it's this next person. And we're gonna see if Anthony can figure out who they is in the return of Back to the Future. There you go. Celebrate good time. Come on. We're sticking to 1995 this week. I've decided oh, I I make the rules here, and I've said. So it's not so it's not space truckers then. Uh, well, you, what do you <laughs> spe- hold on. Let me just check. Has it ever? Ninety six. Oh, Ninety six. Wow. 96. Imagine, imagine if it had been space truckers. No, I'll I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> that one's a freebie. It's not space truckers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome to the exciting game show feature where I have selected a movie from normally twenty five last couple of weeks twenty six years ago today anthony will have five opportunities to guess the name of the film he'll hear five clues and each clue he hears will lower his score by one and please play along at home anthony are you ready for this week's back to the feature i am but before i say i'm ready um <laughs> i've never actually noticed before that you do the back it's interesting that you're like are you the only person in the world who does backwards scoring like you give me all the points and then I lose them for wrong answers, rather than giving me points. Yeah, for I mean, it's, it, that, that's the kind of charitable person I am. I, 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 I push yeah, all the yeah. chips across to your side of the table, and I say, "That's yours. Yeah, that's yours." <laughs> and then, but then I say, "Now listen, you've got to ask on some questions to get out of here alive." And I start pulling them yeah. back. Um, it's very, it's quite all right. It's well, quite, it's, it's quite Machiavellian, right? I'm ready to risk my okay, life. Okay, okay. So the chips are in front of Anthony here. The lights are down. Let's play back to the feature. Clue the first. The opening credits of this movie, a slideshow of notebook pages set to a remix of Nine Inch Nails' Closer, was rushed through at the last minute to replace a scene in which Morgan Freeman's character buys a house in the country as they no longer had the budget to shoot it. I've, I've given you a lot there. You've given me an awful lot. Um, and you said that the director was a... F- was he liked cookie cutter things? No, I said he, he absolutely doesn't make cookie oh, he cutter movies. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I've just okay, told okay, you it was okay, a he okay. as well, which is a which is a, a mistake on my hey! part. Hey, well, to be honest with you, it's ninety five. Yeah, in the nineties they weren't letting women make mainstream movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
apart from Catherine Bigelow. Okay, so... At least Catherine Bigelow was the only one in Hollywood who was allowed to make movies in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has changed for the better, uh, of course. Let me think now. Um, Morgan Freeman. Deep Impact? <laughs> it's not, but I'm going to... It's a good guess. It. It's not right. De- Deep Impact did star Morgan Freeman as uh, as as the president, I believe, in Deep Impact. <laughs> Yeah, not God this no, time, but the president. No, but a, but a similar, <laughs> all-seeing, powerful figure that the he often, <laughs> yeah. often plays. Okay, clue the second. This one might be giving it away too early. I'm I'm interested. When I wrote this, I wasn't sure. Clue the second. Brad Pitt considers this to be the mo- one of the most perfect movies he has ever made. There's going to be people at home screaming the answer now. Bradley Pittles. Yep. I've never seen this film. But I do know what it is. Go on. Do I know how to pronounce it is another <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, there won't be any points is unless it... it's pronounced correctly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with S7N. Yeah, that, that is correct. S7N, David Feature's hit thriller. It is this movie. Wow. What a, what a return to form. For Anthony, there. Thank you. Absol- I, I, you said you, you just said David Feature. David Feature. That's uh, David Feature's uh, fantastic Fincher. Uh- <laughs> yep, absolutely. We should just talk like this from now on, just in spoonerisms. <laughs> um, yes, of course, it is Seven uh, N or Seven if you're nasty. Um, it's um, a David Fincher classic. I'll go through the other clues because there's some great ones in here. I thought the Brad Pitt one might have been too early. That was my fear. I hold my hands up and say, well, clearly that was the case because Anthony got it without even seeing this movie. Um, it was either that or Thelma and Louise. Did, uh, David Fincher's right, Thelma and Louise. No, no, I didn't know David Fincher. I feel like someone. I might have Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt did. Uh, did someone. I might have been Ridley. Lovely young it man. Might have been Ridley Scott who directed Thelma and Louise. I'm looking it up now. It was Ridley Scott. Yeah, I knew it was someone. Someone famous. Um, okay, so the third clue would have been this movie marked David Fincher, a director David Fincher's real move away from adverts and music videos after he briefly returned to doing them after his previous and first feature, Alien Three. So. David Fincher was a primarily... I didn't know he did Alien 3. Yes, yeah, he was primarily a music video director and then Alien 3 was a very troubled production. Went through several directors, several scripts, several ideas about what the movie was going to be and eventually they're like, "Ah, I don't know, get the guy who did the Madonna video to make this. Um, (laughs) And uh, they brought him in and... I, I like Alien 3. It's not nowhere near as good as the first two but it's not bad in the grand scheme of things but you have to treat it as its own separate thing that like new newton okay. and uh and corporal hicks are still alive as far as i'm concerned in the, in the true canon of alien um <laughs> fourth clue and i i, I hasten to uh, to to add a warning to this that i am gonna have to mention a real dickhead's name in this clue but it was an interesting point so i'm gonna do it um val kilmer was considered to be for the role of john doe before it was finally given to kevin spacey um in retrospect should have gone to get val kilmer i guess um and the mm-hmm. fifth clue uh, the infamous what's in the box sequence to close out this movie came about as a result of a mistake by New Line Cinema who had rejected that ending initially. Um, it was part of an earlier draft. They'd rejected it, but they accidentally included it in the script they sent to David Fincher while asking him to direct. So they had to honour it. <laughs> which is, which considering it's the, it's the most famous scene in the whole movie is quite funny. Don't tell me what it is because I've never seen the film. What's in the box? That's for you to figure out. They never show you. <laughs> 
they just so once i've seen once i've seen this film that's going to change my my life because what's in the box for me it reminds me of an, any australian listeners let me know there was an australian tv show for kids called what's in the box it was like what's in the box today and there was always something different in the box uh that's what my memory of what's in the box is <laughs> no, uh, that's, so that's we'll see exactly, what happens after that's I watch exactly the same as what happens in seven it's uh it's uh, al- yeah, a little almost see, shot for shot yeah a remake of that um <laughs> speaking of things in boxes this is probably about the most natural segue that we've ever gotten on this show things things, things in boxes <laughs> this time round, it's not and i am gonna spoil it it's not gwyneth paltrow's head it's some killer robots in stuart gordon's weird yeah just strange movie space truckers the movie that we watched this week it is of course space truckers um i mean fantastic film okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with something here. Like I'm I'm a I'm a big Stuart Gordon fan. Um, I, I I don't know if you've necessarily seen any of his of his movies before, Anthony, because he's I don't think I have. So he he basically he made Reanimator. He made uh, From Beyond, and uh, then he made Robot Jocks with a uh, which is like a kind of America versus Russia sort of Cold War takeoff where people fight in giant robots and they're all very cheesy they all feel quite a lot like this movie and they're all like famous for having really great practical effects and gore and they're all produced actually i'm not sure if robot jocks was but but reanimator and from beyond were produced by a guy called brian usner who would go on to make crazy films on his own like society but they're all very kind of they're all, they're all kind of like schlocky horror movies basically and this was his last the space truckers that is was like his last hurrah as a director really because he i mean he kept on working after this but if you look at his career before and after this you can see that there was sort of that 10 year stretch between reanimator and this where he was making stuff that was good if low budget and then after this it seems to have just fallen off a cliff um just just a a gut reaction after seeing this movie after this after this it fell after this yes that's right (laughs) gut reaction after seeing this movie are you more or less likely to watch a stuart gordon movie after after seeing uh, after your your introduction to him through space truckers i'm more likely to watch another one i'm gonna be honest with you i um this is the exact type of film that like that I, I, I obviously I like all films. We know me, like, but but this is like the type of film when I think to myself, when I really think to myself, if I was to make a movie, <laughs> what what type of movie would I make? I would want to make something like yeah. this, where it's set in space, but like you know, have gravity boots, which are literally just studs on the bottom of a shoe. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I I love the production design. Oh, we'll get into I that. I love the yeah. story. I like. I, I to be honest with you. Even like how cheesy and how on the nose the whole thing is, I could even forgive it for the main thrust of the narrative being how sexy a woman is. Yes, you know what yeah. I mean. That's I mean that's a f- <laughs> there are some fairly poorly aged sections of this movie or <laughs> yeah. themes of this movie. I'll say that now. Um, but I, I, th- I absolutely know what you mean. I mean. For those of you who haven't seen this, it's like this is a movie that lives and breathes its setting it's like it's a throwback yeah, yeah and i think it's like it's kind of like joyously a throwback like there were there were scenes there's a very scene very early on in this movie where dennis hopper's character has delivered some square pigs to a uh oh, to, and I they are literally just practical square pigs in square cages all practical effects they look ridiculous and um and i believe it's norm from cheers i can't i can never remember the actor's yeah. name but norm from cheers. i just call him i just call him poor 
man John Goodman. Yeah, that, poor man's yeah John that's Goodman. fair. That is fair. Um, so poor man's John Goodman tries to stiff uh, Dennis Hopper for some money, and he and he he's brought a couple of heavies with him. Dennis Hopper delivers an awful stage punch to one of them, and they're in zero G, and they flip backwards, and you can just see the wires. You can just see the wires. <laughs> yeah, like they're not yeah. even remotely hidden, and it really does remind me of that sort of like pulpy fifty sci-fi. Like I think it's very deliberately. Uh, done. I mean, obviously, you know, they probably could have concealed the wires, but I think it got to a point where they're mm. like, nah, nah, just leave them in. Um, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. absolutely love them. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about uh, the Matrix uh, sequel uh, coming, coming out last yeah. week. <laughs> this puts the Matrix to shame, doesn't it? <laughs> like, these, yeah. These, yeah. these kind of, these kind of wire fighting effects. Well, like, to be honest with you, it's, I think you've got more chance of someone missing the wire than you do someone like you know not realizing that it's it's all cg in the neo spin around a pole kicks agent smith in the face scene that's, everyone knows that's cg yeah. whereas this if you look at the wrong way for a second you don't see the wire it all works um, and it's all there the you, you square, know it's yeah. all there in the camera that's the, there is a there is yeah. a definite charm to that i think there, there really is and even like when they're out floating in space the background is just is just a black sheet of light <laughs> it's great it's so bad like it's literally it's, like, there's so many stars in space in this because like they do like close-ups of dennis hopper and you can see like a hundred lights just behind his head on a close-up and it's like how how is there ever nighttime in this part of space with this much light pollution coming from the star <laughs> yeah i'm good i'm gonna be honest though conrad I-, I think i would try and do it a slightly better quality but if i was gonna make a space film having seen this now I think even low budget filmmakers really like we're talking micro budget filmmakers I think they would still try to utilize a green screen if they were filming in space like that having said that I think because when when you do a low budget green screen it's really hard to get the lighting right it doesn't look quite mm. right I th- I honestly think that if you just put a bit more time into it that's the way to go for a micro budget film in space I really do because I think in the camera, if you actually made the background look a bit more realistic, uh, then it, 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 would, it would look far better, in my yeah. opinion, than a micro-budget green screen. No, I think, I mean, this movie uses a really refreshingly large number of miniatures, I think. And, when, and you compare this to something like, I don't know, mm. the, Star Wars, the, the, the original Star Wars pr- uh, trilogy, where that was all done with miniatures in boxes, essentially, with, with matte paintings mm-hmm. for, the, for the space background. You're absolutely right. You know, if it's practical, as long as you spend the time doing it, like in this, it literally looks like someone has just hung, like poked a load of holes in a piece of black cloth and hung it in front of a, yeah, yeah. a soft box. And they're like, I don't know, that's space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, spend a bit more time doing it um and and you can absolutely come up with something that that looks just as good as as a green screen um i I think a lot of the 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 concerns about that in the modern day are down uh, come down to money and time unfortunately because it's cheaper to Mm -hmm. just do it with the green screen but talking about the 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 miniatures uh there was an interesting fact that i came up with when i was uh, and i'll be interested to see if if you drew this comparison as well um so I'll, i'll say the comparison first do you wonder if this film that this film's visuals specifically had any influence on Luc Besson for The Fifth Element. That's a good point. Actually, that's a good point. Um, perhaps. The, 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 it has the same sort of homemade feel yeah. to some of the costumes. It's like a vibrancy it, to everything, I feel. like it, Vibrancy. Everyone, yeah, everyone's wearing vibrancy. bright colours and crazy outfits. Yeah, I, I think I actually read somewhere like that... Um, uh, this is such a good comparison, but like the, I think maybe even Gordon himself compared, like when he when he listed off like what he thought this was, 
it was something like Alien mixed with Hook. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's a that's a, that is spot on for what this is because it it does. We'll get into the, the the plot spoilers and the actual plot stuff shortly, but 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 tonally, it has the silliness yeah. of Hook. Um, but um, but yeah, I, oh yeah, silliness, huge amount of silliness. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I, I was looking for people that actually worked on both Fifth Element and and space truckers and there's only one guy a guy called paul gentry who did the miniature effects on both so if there was an influence it was um it was you know it purely in watching it and then applying it rather than crew moving from one to the other yes i will say as well though conrad the uh luke besson was uh inspired by the comic book valerian oh yeah for fifth element which he eventually made as well he eventually made valerian but that's where the inspiration yes, yeah, comes yeah. from as well so there might be some crossover there as you, well i remember you covering that on this very podcast um but i mean talking about uh, stuart gordon saying this was sort of a crossover between hook and aliens the production design on this uh was largely done by an englishman called simon merton um and you're gonna love this when i talk about the other movies that, that he had worked on before this see, <laughs> see if you can spot the influence in these so you've got super mario brothers the movie <laughs> also starring Mario, Dennis Hopper Mario. and then Tank yeah. Girl which has very similar I don't know if you've ever seen Tank Girl but um, no, very similar no. kind of punky aesthetic um, and this does feel Fantastic. like someone has just like kind of taken those weird dystopian sci-fi elements of Super Mario Brothers and then splashed some pink and green neon paint on them <laughs> and stuck it in space basically it's uh, oh, it's just, it's, it's just so great I, I, I think I think it's it, it really does feel like these days the, the equipment that you could have it, it kind of feels like someone someone's like university uh you know film that they had to make but they just like ran out of time and they were fu- like fuck it let's just make it truck in space you know <laughs> yeah they, I mean it's lucky that Stuart Gordon had a hand in writing the screenplay this so it was Ted Mann who actually uh, wrote the screenplay but Stuart Gordon came up with the story idea because if this was written by someone and then handed to a director to create you could imagine that there would be yeah, yeah. there would be violence in that room when it happened like you are you trying to sabotage my career by getting me to make this ridiculous movie um I will say I will say as well, right? Um who's the guy Okay, Charles Dance is obviously in this yes. and he's in Game of Thrones. Now, in Game of Thrones there's another fellow who played the High Sparrow, Jonathan Jonathan someone? Price. Jonathan Price, yes. And and I, I have seen him in uh Shakespeare in the Globe in London, but he, so he's a very very good actor, but Jonathan Price looks down on uh Game of Thrones as just like Jibble jibber jabber that he had to do to get some money. Oh, he's got the old um, the old so, Alec Guinness so, with Star Wars opinion. Where it's like yeah. So for some for some reason in my sorry, what did Alec Guinness say? Oh, Alec Guinness was, oh, yeah, was yeah, always. Yeah. I mean, he, he was an he was a different generation, let's say. But, but Alec Guinness yeah, was yeah. very much like I'm um, just doing the silly swords and sandals thing to pay the bills, and then it turned out to be the thing that everyone knows him for, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like so. Jonathan Price sort of is doing a similar thing with Game of Thrones, but because of that, the other sort of older English actors that were in Game of Thrones, I can't help but divorce that Jonathan Price feeling away. So Charles Dance, unfortunately, in my mind, gets labelled with that same problem, and then I see him in yeah. this. Oh, part of me, I have to stop myself being going. 
I'm, I'm just like, oh my god, I was so wrong about Charles Dance. He's having the time anything. of his life yeah. in this movie, I think it's fair to say. And it, it's really interesting you bring up the Game of Thrones comparison because there are a yeah. surprising number of Game of Thrones actors in this. So you've already got, obviously, Charles Dance plays a scientist who then comes back in a different role that we'll get into a little, in, in a moment. You've also got Tim Lone, who played one of the White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And you've got Ian Beatty, who played Merrin Trant. Both Tim Lone and, and, yes. and uh, MBT were just some of the soldiers at the beginning who are slaughtered. Yeah. So actually, but I mean, this is like a training that, that camp. Makes a lot of sense for, for Game of Thrones actors. Well, do, well, do you know what? Do you know why? Conrad? Go on, I don't. Because this film was fi- this film was filmed in County Wicklow, Ireland. That's why. Unbelievable! There we go. We come full circle. Yeah. yeah, it was filmed in County Wicklow, Ireland, and it was filmed there because of the tax breaks. Um, as we all know, Ireland is a tax haven. Uh, that's why, like Amazon and Google, and everyone has offices yeah. there. Um, but uh, basically, uh, it was filmed there for tax breaks. And then, apparently, I read. Now, um, this is not spoilers, but the ends. The last scene was meant to be take place in the desert, uh, but it it took place on a beach because they literally are no deserts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it! This land is too verdant. Where where are the deserts? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's amazing. I, I didn't realise it was filmed in Ireland, but that that makes perfect sense as to why there's a bunch of British uh, and, and Irish actors in and this. Who uh, There's a Northern Irish woman who plays sort of like the woman down the toilet bowl. You know that, you know that yep. woman? They go down yep, the toilet yep, 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 yep. and there's a woman down there. Amazing, yeah. She's Northern Irish. That, that I mean... That scene, I, I, we've got. To, I'm not. It's not really spoilers to talk about it, but that scene where they like they yeah. sneak into, they're running away from a crime. They sneak into a women's bathroom. Uh, they open one of the, the the doors, and there's this like old woman yelling at them to get out. And Dennis Hopper, without blinking, walks in and just yanks her head open, and it turns into a keypad <laughs> that reveals yeah. a secret lift down to like a black market arms dealer or whatever. It's just, <laughs> yeah. that's how you introduce the plot of your movie, folks. That's how Marvel movies should be doing. That, that. was good. Um, uh, that. Was- Okay, I, th- I think it's now it's now time for us to, in earnest, talk about spoilers in this because there are mm-hmm. so many things to discuss yep. in this movie, um, and we're going to have to spoil it to do so. So if you haven't seen it, uh, this is your warning to, uh, to to skip ahead to the end. And there's literally nowhere that we could start apart from with Charles Dance's Macanudo scene. He's killed, also we think, in the opening scene. He's the scientist who invents the killer robots, who are the main the main threat of the movie, I guess. And then uh, Dennis Hopper's crew are... Um, what's the word? When pirates pirates kidnap you. I can't remember what the word is now. Not boarded. Um, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Well, their ship's take, they're taken prisoner anyway. By Commandeered? Sure. That's not the word I was looking for. But Commandeer. Um, by, Parley. By, yeah. No, that's definitely not the word. But they're, they're taken prisoner <laughs> by pirates. And... All the pirates look like extras from Mad Max. You've got Bennett from Commando briefly shows up. He's an Australian man. He still has the same moustache he had 10 years ago. And then you see Charles Dance. And he is a cyborg space pirate with one leg who appears to be sort of cosplaying as an SS officer. And he, it is one of the coolest things I've ever seen Charles Dance do. Because it is, <laughs> this is a man who I'm fairly sure has played quite significant Shakespearean roles. And, and, and yeah, here yeah. he is, just ha- presumably having the time of his life. Um, how did you feel about the introduction of the Macanudo character? Right, I'm going to be honest with you. Go on. I thought in the first scene that Charles Dance was already hammy enough. Yes. 
uh, in the first scene when he was just his normal British yeah. self. And then he comes back as a man who's half human, half electric, uh, chemical robot yep, man. He rebuilt himself. <laughs> he rebuilt. He rebuilt himself. Uh, okay, he had to rebuild half his brain. I don't know how that worked, but we'll just go with it. Um, I I like that. There's a lot of innuendo in this scene. You say. Um, <laughs> yes, you could say so. There's, I mean, yeah, the low amp Wang Pulse comes back in in the <laughs> like he he essentially says that you know he'll he'll um, consider letting them off easy if Debbie Mazar's character has sex with him, and it no, that was her idea. It was, it was her, her idea. idea. That is true. Um, but and then and then proceeds one of the funniest non-sex scenes I've ever seen, where it, Charles Dance <laughs> is essentially offering her every drug and uh, and uh, substance to you know help her help her relax under the sun, while guarant- guaranteeing her that his body is built for female pleasure. <laughs> and then it stayed with me all these years. I saw this movie <laughs> when I was probably about ten years old, the first time I saw it, and I remembered nothing <laughs> about it apart from Charles Dance unsuccessfully revving his cyborg penis uh, as as like a sl- one of those like they're not slide whistles you know the things that you would like blow and they go <laughs> like that it essentially yeah. makes that noise <laughs> which if you rebuilt your penis from scratch why would you put that in there like why would you introduce why would you not why no, you, would want you, it, not? you want like, it to be you want. you want it to be like a kind of masculine sound you don't want to you don't want to compound your embarrassment by having you know wee as you're like trying to get the, the oh, I, I would be i would be happy with i'd be happy it's with that so good. i will yeah I will say uh, Debbie Mazer, right? Um, now I know her as the bad guy from uh, was it uh, Beethoven Two? I think. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think yeah, I so. I know, I know, I know her from a few different things. She is sort of one of those faces that you know. Yeah. Sort of the we thought we said that we said earlier on we've got the poor man's uh, who? What do you say? We got the we got the poor the the poor man's uh, John Goodman. She's sort of the poor the poor man's sort of Fran Drescher. <laughs> Or the, the the poor man's uh, what are, who's the, the, yeah who's Stephen Dorff Janice <laughs> yeah the pet poor man's the poor man the, the poor man's what do you call it uh, uh, Janice from Friends or something oh like okay that. Yeah. but but she yeah yeah you know what I mean like she's sort of like the New York very thick New York accent <laughs> um, I will say okay let, let's just get this out of the way now the main thrust of the, no pun intended of this storyline <laughs> is just that she's really good looking yeah. Um, and multiple men want to be with her. So therefore, in order to marry her, uh, she's agreed if someone takes her to Earth, they'll marry her. Mm-hmm. And then another guy comes along who, who wants to be with her too. And then Charles Dance wants a bit of her. Uh, and there's a, for half an hour of the film, she's just in her underwear. Yeah. It, it, it was... It was interesting, I'll say. Now, I, I did say that the film was so wacky and over-the-top and crazy... That it almost it got away with it really. For yes, me. I don't know how you. Yeah, I, I think I think it does get away with it as playful. I mean, there's there's moments, mm-hmm. there's there's moments in the scene where where Charles Dance's character is reintroduced, where um, Dennis Hopper is is kind of making fun of him, and then when confronted, he says things like, "No, I think you deal with your disability very bravely and stuff," which is mm-hmm. which is really <laughs> yes, really like funny. It. Even in, in like, I mean, that scene had me like laughing out loud, but. You're absolutely right that it ha- has also, a tightrope to yeah. walk. I think, and um, yes, I don't think it does also, it as successfully with the with with uh, with with the the kind of the romance or the love triangle. I don't think it does that as successfully as it does with no, Charles Dance's no, no, character. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't. I I, th- I agree with you. But they do throw little bits in 
that show me that it isn't like obviously you know when they conceived of this film this pulpy mess of a film they they thought it would be great to have a good looking woman in her underwear for half an hour of course they yeah. did but 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 at the same time they do have little bits little crumbs in there to make you think that actually they were there's there's crumbs of good messages like for example um the fact that she doesn't actually go through with it and she like she ends up getting the best of him mm. the fact that uh it's her idea like she takes control of her own body for the plan the young fella who wants to be with her is like sort of trying to fight on her corner and dennis hopper's just like listen she knows what she's doing like she can do what she wants you yeah, know? yeah i thought that was actually quite respectful to yeah me. I, th- I think dennis hopper's a lot as much as the love triangle was ridiculous because dennis hopper is clearly like 40 years older than this than this woman um as didn't matter at the end we'll come back to that in a second that that was that was like panto- like a classic pantomime bit of storytelling where it's like oh no this guy has kind of uh, he's kind of honorably yielded the floor to his younger rival so they can go off and get married but oh never mind here's an almost as young woman who we've introduced in the final act of this movie <laughs> purely for the purposes of marrying Dennis Hopper so he can he and her can walk hand in hand to accept their applause at the end it's it's uh, yeah. it was ridiculous but um yeah i mean he's, he he is very it's odd because he, you know he's saying oh if you marry like if you uh, marry me i'll take you to earth um which is mm-hmm. not a not the strongest foundation for a relationship i'm, I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah but you know he's fairly respectful of her as an individual um which is it's mm-hmm. it's an interesting performance as i say i don't i think the love triangle is ridiculous and kind of unnecessary i, I think I, I would have preferred it if of him being like a a father figure and honestly i i i thought when they introduced this idea of her having a mother who was in cryosleep and he and like he had these like re- reactions to pictures of her mother i was like oh did he like <laughs> yeah. sleep with her mother like 20 years ago or 40 years ago or whatever and uh and, and it turns out that she's his daughter or something like that that would be an interesting <laughs> twist and then at the end of the movie it's just like nah she's not his daughter but he's just gonna marry her mom anyway <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta i got a girl on ice i got her i got her on earth she's on ice for me waiting you know it's yeah, crazy ridiculous um Okay, so how did you absolutely right earlier with the aliens comparison? About about halfway through this movie, it turns from a pretty fun romp. You know, we got Charles Dance mm-hmm. turning up, revving up his penis and stuff like that, into a pretty <laughs> a pretty by the numbers kind of space survival, yeah. almost horror. It's not really horror because it's still pretty light hearted, but it, but there's definite there's a definite sense of threat, uh, and it's definitely more mm-hmm. kind of actions actually and scary than it than it was previously how, how did you find you know the design of the robots and like that section of the movie um yeah i thought it was okay i, I think i think i would have maybe i know it's quite made in 95 for a very low budget 96 for a very low budget um but i think i probably i didn't really like the effect of just show the alien's head and then show something exploding <laughs> I, I wanted i I wanted something to, sh- to like some sort of change of a color of light, some sort of light beam, mm. some sort of like I like that they didn't do like a digital light beam because it would have aged terribly, yeah. but something just but I yeah, don't know. Like the close up on the face I- with a like sound and then just like half a limb falling yeah. into screen. It works maybe once yeah. or twice, but after after that it's like okay, you need a little bit more than this, I think yeah yeah i think i think i i I tend to agree with you i think although i thought the design of the robots was quite cool and and the the sort of physical performance of the actors in in the suits uh i enjoyed i although not robotic in the slightest i will (laughs) say like they're like they're like (laughs) moving around like fucking jack skellington it's like who designed these to move this way 
No, you know what they like? They, they, they were saying, uh, the guys who designed them, they were just like, right, so they've got like uh, hoofs for feet, right? So they've got like literally tiny feet. There's no way anyone believes they will, they're human feet. So you can perform these however you want. No one's ever going to think these are human because the feet are clearly not yeah. human. <laughs> they're like bound, like ballerina feet to be constantly performing yeah, a plie. Yeah. Um, or a, not a plie. My ballet knowledge has abandoned me here. I don't think it is a plie. The one where they go up on the toes. You know the one I'm talking about. Um, okay, so we, we have to talk about this now. Have you ever known a movie to end the way that this movie ends and by that i mean they turn up reveal that the earth government has been privatized by the villain anyway <laughs> so they didn't need to stage the military coup therefore the whole movie was a waste of everyone's time um and then and then they accidentally blow him up uh, like, was that did that did that feel satisfying to you as a as a consumer of this movie or did it leave you wanting more you know I I liked it. I I liked the whirlwind ending <laughs> of the guy from the start coming in, and I I like you know what I loved. I I loved the the delivery of the line where he said something like the government's gone private, and then it sort of leaves a beat. The camera is sort of moving off him, and then he goes, and it's about time to or something <laughs> yeah. like that. You know? It's just so grim the ending, <laughs> and like this is this is something they surely should have hinted at, like just a little kind of cutaway scene somewhere in the middle of the movie, rather than the guy you haven't seen since the beginning of the movie just turning up in the final scene and being like, "Government's private, didn't need the didn't need to worry about the robots. Don't worry about that. Here's some money." And then it turns out the money's booby trapped, and they chuck it out yeah. the window. And it lands on this car and blows it up. It's just yeah. like it—it it is the hallmark, and I think it's deliberate. I think it is—it is done deliberately because the whole movie is like hammy like this. But I think it is deliberately yeah, yeah. like someone was writing all night, and it got to like three in the morning, and they needed to get this thing in at six. And they're like, "Shit, I've got like an hour before I need to leave. I've got to finish this." And they just blitz through the final scene. They're like, "I've got to end this now, <laughs> now," yeah. and then handed it in, Listen, and that's what they came up with. I understand. I'm doing my dissertation at the minute, and the last three thousand words have just been. I'm not even going to show my 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 advisor. I'm just getting these on the fucking paper and handing yeah. it in. Yeah, know? that's the spirit, and that I, I believe that is the spirit that Ted Mann wrote that uh, wrote that finale in yeah. because <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's like I need to get everything into this scene somehow, and it needs to sort of make sense. Um, I might pop that in my dissertation. Actually, just end it with uh, and then and then a, a briefcase of money exploded. Yeah. Just add that in the yeah, end. Yeah, just slip or just slip it in one paragraph from the end, just to see if they're still paying attention. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can only improve. It can only improve your grade. Let's be honest, because who doesn't love a sudden explosion, <laughs> even in literary form? Space truckers. Exactly. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If they're a fan of space truckers, they'll bump you straight up to a first for in- for, for the inclusion of that. So do do you know the uh, the story of uh, the, the name space truckers? No what's the story so so apparently i can't remember which actor it was it might have been steven i think it was steven dorf actually yeah. so base, basically his his agent whenever they uh came to show his, his agent the script originally before steven dorf got involved his agent said don't like the name uh, space truckers steven dorf will not be involved if we use this name they were like okay no problem doesn't have to be called space truckers so they called it like uh irish uh, Irish sci-fi film or something when they were filming it, <laughs> uh, and, and and then uh, when they finished wrapping the whole film, the director said to Stephen Dorff, "Well, what do you think this film should be called?" And his answer was "Space Trucker," 
And that's why they called the film Space Truckers again, because his agent said he didn't like the name, but Stephen Dorff actually came up with it, come up, came up with it again of his own. Oh, fashion. nice. Okay, but do you think they had? Uh, do you think Stuart, uh, Stuart Gordon had someone like following Stephen Dorff around through production, just just kind of whispering Space Truckers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Darren Brown, he yeah. employed Darren yeah, Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just to implant the message but it was his idea that's that, he needs to he, yeah. he... steven i yeah i need you to turn this book to page 744 what's the third word steven yeah. steven dorf was incepted for this movie we can all <laughs> we can all agree upon that inception 2 oh my god that's a great that's a great film inception 2 incepting the name space yep. truckers into steven dorf's head ken watanabe stuck in steven dorf's head just like we were young men once um yeah, yeah. Anthony, what would you give this movie out of five? You haven't seen it before. We've got to rate it. Remember that half stars are for cowards. Where do you land on Space Truckers? Now, I was tempted just to meme it up and say five. I was, but I'm, I think that would be a disservice to the sanctity of yep. the BMPE. So I've been very honest every week. Now, there are no retrospective changing, no. uh, I will say. But I think I am going to go three star on this. Okay. Yeah. I'm- I think I think I am. I I, I really enjoyed it. I really. I did. I went the same. I I went into this. I honestly came into this being like I remember hating this movie when I was ten, and uh, I watched it and I was like, this is bad, but I'm enjoying it. And then it got to that Charles dance scene <laughs> yeah. in the middle, and I was like, this is fucking great. I like I don't care what anyone's talking about. Like I don't know what ten year old me was. I don't know what was up with the ten year old me, but this is a great scene and. Um, I, yeah, it, like, it loses momentum towards the end, but th- I was on such a high from those early scenes that it carried me through. So yeah, three for me as well. Yeah. Um, right, okay. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's going to lead us quite naturally then into uh, answering one simple question, as we always do, and that is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie this week? It's got to be the one and only Irish science fiction movie, Space Truckers. <laughs> I think that's that's a fair shout. I went for the Fifth Element because I I'm trying to I'm trying that's to be arty one. and cool. Um, those of you who are fans of Stuart Gordon will be excited to hear um, that uh, beginning next week it's the spookiest time of the year, <laughs> and we'll be kicking it off with oh. another yeah with another Stuart Gordon classic. I won't do the ghostly whale next time i promise uh reanimator one of my favorite horror movies is what we're going to look at next week so look forward to that it's an order uh thank you to nancy wyatt and jared iscariot for the use of our theme song you can find links to their stuff down in the the thing below check out their other stuff and thank you to you for listening uh please consider subscribing we are the culture cave on youtube and we're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps uh get involved in the comments give the show a like it really does help and we will see you same time same place next week Rest in peace. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>